Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Ulysses First Cast, episode 547. My name is Paul Garcia and I am the host of First Cast. Joining me on this post draft episode is Project Spurs' Benjamin Bornstein. How you doing, Ben? I am great, sir. How are you? I'm doing very well. Uh, you know, basketball's been over, it feels like a month now, and they're barely <laughs> having the NBA Awards as you and I are recording this on Monday evening. Uh, you have any comments on that? Uh, n- none that I have not expressed publicly before. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, obviously it's it, this event is not getting a lot of positive publicity just because of how late it is into the season. I mean, it just, like you, like we said, like the draft's over, free agency is about to start this coming weekend, and they're barely giving out the MVP award, the Rookie of the Year, and all that stuff. So, anyway, we're not here, Ben, to talk about uh, those awards. We're here more so to talk about the, uh, the picks that the Spurs made. You know, Thursday was the NBA draft. Uh, they didn't trade any of their picks to move up, you know, or even move back in the draft. They ended up taking Lucas Samanich with the uh, – Samanich, did I say – with the uh, 19th pick in the first round, and then Keldon Johnson with the 29th pick. And then from there in the second round, they took Quindary Weatherspoon uh, with the 49th pick. So we're going to kind of go into detail on these picks, what these, these players bring to the Spurs, and what we think their their their, um, their route is in, in year one with San Antonio. So let's first begin with Lucas Simonic. Um 19-year-old kid from Croatia. He's 6'10", plays the power forward spot mainly. Uh, last year played professionally with Olympia uh, in Slovenia. Um, you know, some of his strengths, uh, he's, he has great size and ability for a modern forward. He's a good athlete who plays above the rim in space, a capable spot of three-point shooter. He has post skills that are steadily improving. Um, she shot 38% from three last year on his team, uh, also shot 21% in a, in a different league. Uh, you know, he, he spoke with us, the media, after, after he was selected. He says that he compares himself on offense to Kevin Durant and on defense to Andre Karolinko, um, who used to play in the NBA. He says he can switch one through five on defense. Um, so, so what are your thoughts on, on them taking Samanich or Samanich at 19? Uh, I, I had heard he had gotten a first round promise from someone after the NBA draft combine anyway. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't surprised. A lot of people okay. were surprised that they took him at 19. I had heard that he was going to go top 20. Uh, he, he played really well the first day of the scrimmages of the open scrimmages and he shut it down after that. He didn't play the second day because, he got enough feedback to say he's going to be a first rounder. So not terribly surprising to me. I would say I thought they could have gotten him at 29. I thought they could have gotten good value for him. And there were several players on the board that a lot of Spurs fans have targeted. And even I had targeted, I thought Nasir Little, Brandon Clark at 19 would have been great value as well. A lot of people had Brandon Clark graded out as a lottery top, 16-ish in there. So I thought that would have been good value for them. And then Nasir Little, obviously, everyone had him as a lottery pick despite a bad or a down year at UNC. So 
I think it was a solid pick. It addressed a need to back up LaMarcus Aldridge and Jakob Pertl. And I think it depends on which uh, site or who, which measurements you're going with. But I did see that he was 6'11", for what that's worth, and he was about 230. So um, if that's true, then he can play probably both four and five. He can guard four and five. And if he wants to be as defensively great as Andre Kirilenko, then please have at it because that guy was a baller. I mean, he he got out of the NBA kind of early, but he still ended up playing in Europe. And I think he ended up winning a bunch of MVPs over there anyway. He's a great player. Andre Kirilenko is awesome. If if he, if he wants to be Kirilenko, please go ahead and be Kirilenko. I'm very much okay with that. Are we talking awesome. about European Kevin Durant? Yeah, yeah, we're talking about European. So, uh, Spurscast listeners, uh, you know, coming in here, we obviously to give him an introduction. Uh, but Trevor Zigraf is joining us for this episode. Um, you can follow him on Twitter at Trevor Writes. So, I did invite him to be on this on the Spurscast episode. So, Trevor, we just barely got started. Um, you know, we bar- we're basically talking about Samanich right now, like you just said, the European Kevin Durant, and Ben was also talking about his comparison to Andre Kirilenko that he has for himself. Um, ben just gave his his uh, his opinion on, on Samanich in nineteen. What was what was your opinion of the Spurs taking him that early? Um. I mean, and maybe you got, Ben, maybe you already touched on this. I was kind of stunned that, A, I was stunned that Nas Little and Brandon Clark fell like they did. But um, I was a little surprised they didn't take one of those two guys. But I did know that they loved uh, Samanich. Is that how we're saying it? Yeah, I, I just looked at the pronunciation guide. So let, let me read this real quick. So, yeah, it Mary. is uh, Luca Samanich is what they put in there. Samanich. So. Okay, okay, yeah. that's, what, that's what we're going with. But I've been calling him Tall Luca just for fun. Um, but, um, no, so I knew they liked him. I mean, he's, you know, I think we've probably all seen the same reports about how much they've been scouting him. Um, he was really good at the draft combine and, and the video you see of him, he's, you know, he projects well, he's, he's mobile. He really can slide his feet. Um, I think that's the really, th- that's the, that's going to be the biggest thing. It's just, how's he going to defend on the perimeter? Um, Bertans who I love and have loved forever. Uh, I just think he he just doesn't move that well on the perimeter, and that's that's kind of what holds him back to being a really like really regular rotation. Like he probably would start if he if he was just a little bit more nimble on uh, on defense. So I really like that aspect of him, and I, I do think there's some versatility to his game. I don't know how much he's going to get to show off of the versatility on offense, and frankly, I don't know how much they need him to show it off. But uh, with all the offensive firepower they have in the backcourt, but it's um, I'm excited for him. I, again, I, I, I personally, I would have taken Nas Little because I thought that's that's talent, that's unavoidable talent. But didn't I didn't uh, have the the issue with it that a lot of people did. Yeah, and so you know, RC does say that he that he does intend for him to come over next season, even though um, you know he's playing overseas in Europe. Uh, so he should be here in San Antonio. My question to you guys is that you know when you look at this ro- this roster right now at that four spot, you know you have. It, look, it looks most likely like Rudy Gay is definitely coming back for this next season. And then you still have Bertans, like you mentioned, Trevor. Now, um, do either of you see, you, you know, is that going to basically put him in Austin year one? Is the fact that those two guys are ahead of him in the depth chart? Or do you think he could beat either of them out for some minutes? Um, whoever wants to take that question. Um, I'll go ahead and take that question first. No one <laughs> run. Um, I think if Davis Bertans plays poorly, if there's a stretch of games where he plays poorly throughout the season, I think we see a call-up. Um, we also have to consider that Chemezi Metu could get his call-up 
and could earn some minutes as well, which may push Samanich down and keep him in Austin for the year. And I I think most people would say that that is the expectation for him, that he's Mm -hmm. going to be in Austin the majority of the year, and maybe he'll get call-ups on some road trips, get a feel for an NBA road trip. But for the most part, I think he's going to end up playing in Austin all year. What do you think about that, Trevor? About Samanich? I, like I mean, I think I think history would suggest that, yeah, Austin is going to be his his home for for year one. Uh, but I think Ben makes a good point about Bertens. You know, I, I, he, I think he was. I think the Denver series left a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. He was really good last year. I mean, he was. He was really good. Yeah. I, he hit a cold streak. Was that right? Like right around the All Star break, right? There was a cold streak, but mm-hmm. he was really good for the most part. And um, but. I just think there is a there's a limitation to his game um, that is going to keep him as fringe starter, but more likely, you know, the the first or second big off the bench. I think the real question is, do they intend to go with the Pirtle Aldridge starting lineup? Um, because if that's what their plan is, I feel like then everyone who could get minutes at the you know quote unquote four, uh, Rudy, Davis, Chemezi. Um, Simonich, like all those guys, probably just like all their minutes get reduced. So it's really just a question of how often is are they going to go that big, big starting lineup? And also, I don't know what they're doing with the mid-level exception. Um, yeah, we're all assuming they're operating under the tax. I mean, would they just say, let's just use the mid-level for Rudy? Would Rudy accept only nine point whatever million dollars? Or because mm-hmm. um, they can, they can, they can use the mid-level and. Uh, Use just go over the cap, stay over the cap, and sign Rudy like they have his early bird rights. Now they can do that. That's a really interesting. It's a really interesting uh, predicament they're in because I, I I just don't know what they're looking for in free agency. Are they looking for someone who's more of like a two three, a three four, a four five? Like I just don't know. Well, there, uh, yeah, that, the Spurs. I think it's fair to say that the Spurs are also, for lack of a better word, capped by the money they have available to them. I, I, this, I just don't see this summer as being the summer where the Spurs try and make things happen, so to speak. Right. I, I think it's really going to be next summer when some guys come off the books, they can move things around, and they are going to have some decisions to make on some of the young guys to either to extend an offer for their second contract from their rookie contract. And I, I think, you know, depending on how guys play this year, that could very well affect that too. Yeah, for sure. And so I, I really think that's why, um, you know, two things. That one thing that Trevor brought up was the fact that, you know, we don't know how they're going to start this uh, this year. Is Are they going to put Rudy as a starting four and then LaMarcus at the five again, go small ball? Or are they going to do that traditional type of lineup that they ended the year with? And then, of course, they had to use that lineup with, with uh, Aldridge and Pirtle because they were playing Denver, who's, who plays more of a traditional style. So that's a big question there, like, like Trevor, you mentioned. If Aldridge at the four, I mean, really, where where is Bertans? Where is Simonich? Where are these guys getting minutes at at the four? There's just none available. But I do wonder, what do y'all think about the um, the idea of trading Bertans this coming week, or, or or even when free agency starts? Just because I feel like he has an attractive contract to teams. He's on the last year of his deal. He's a good shooter. He's a young player. Uh, and you know, obviously, if you trade him and you bring Rudy back, well, then you have some minutes there for Simonich or Metu to battle with. What do y'all think about that? I mean, I, I have been wondering that. I've also been wondering that about Bryn Forbes, uh, not to this might mm-hmm. jump ahead or segue into the Kelvin conversation, but I've been wondering that about Bryn Forbes too. It's just Lonnie's coming. Uh, Lonnie, you would assume uh, Lonnie Walker's going to get more minutes. Uh, DeJounte Murray's coming back, so that's obviously 
35 minutes <laughs> that you got to find a game that you got to find time yeah. for. So, you know, our, our Bert, Bertans, Bellinelli, and Forbes, I feel like, at least among Spurs Twitter, but you would assume that those are the guys that are probably going to, you would hear the most buzz about, or the, or the ones that are the most available. Um, yeah, for sure. So that, it wouldn't surprise me, I suppose, is the, is the, is the point. All right, uh, let's go ahead and move on. So, yeah, so basically we, we all expect right now if this roster stays intact and Rudy does come back, then we probably see Simonich spending a lot of time in Austin next year. Uh, let's move on to the second pick the Spurs made, and that was the 29th. Uh, they got Keldon Johnson at that pick. Uh, he's a 6'6 wing from Kentucky, uh, 19 years old also. He will turn 20, though, I think in, in October or September. Uh, let's see here. Strengths has solid physical tools for an NBA wing. He's a versatile and aggressive player at both ends of the court. Uh, he takes on challenges at the defensive end. He shows promise as being a per- perimeter shooter. Last year in college, he shot 38% on 118 attempts from three at Kentucky. Um, you know, when we spoke to the media that night on draft night, he says that he's a versatile. Um, that he's versatile. He can play multiple positions. Um, so I guess, Ben, what do you think? What did you think about them taking Johnson at 29th? Well, Keldon Johnson was a guy I thought would go possibly just outside the lottery. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought at 29, it was great value. And I, I saw a lot of people pointed out uh, what they considered an irony or something funny, whatever you may call it. But, you know, they thought the Spurs reached for Simonich at 19, but got a steal with Johnson at 29. And it's like they probably could have gotten either player at either spot if we're being honest. So, you know, they still end up with two guys they wanted. It doesn't really matter how we got there, but we're there. So, I thought it, I thought it was a good pick. I had him as a guy who was not dropping past twenty. So I, I mean, this draft was weird for a bunch of reasons. There were a yeah. bunch of guys who dropped who had no business dropping. So I don't know if there were major red flags on medicals or what for this draft, but guys just dropped who didn't make sense dropping. So I guess in that regard, it kind of makes sense that Kelton Johnson fell to twenty nine. What did you think about Keldon, um, Trevor, at 29? Yeah, real, real quick, Ben, if the Spurs had taken Keldon Johnson at 19 and Samanich at 29, do you think anyone would have complained? Or would everyone have been like, yeah, that makes sense? Yeah, no, that's that's exactly what it – that's the exact response it would have yeah. been. They'd be like, okay, yeah, that seems right. So, all right, well, they got they got both guys. They filled both needs, so I feel like people should stop complaining. But Agreed. That's a, I'm with you. Anyways. You know, I, uh, I think Clark and Little are always going to be – Samanich is always going to have Clark and Little as his, uh, yes, his measuring stick, unfortunately, yeah. the rest of his either career. Of those, if either of those guys pop, especially early, that's going to be – especially yeah. they're both going to be in the Western <laughs> Conference, too, so we're going to see them four times a year. Um, uh, uh, no, I you know, the Kelvin – I don't know why he fell. Uh, a lot of guys have got a green room invites fell. That was, that was pretty weird. You know, usually you get one guy, but it was like four or five guys well into the 20s before – and obviously poor Bull Bull – uh, going yeah. all the way to the middle of the second round. But, it was his suit, um, let's be honest. Yeah, it probably was. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I don't know why Keldon fell. I, I, maybe I, – I, I saw a lot of, a lot of uh, draft draft Knicks say that they thought maybe he didn't have that much um, upside, that much versatility to his game. But, I mean, at 19, you're getting the guy that competes – uh, who can finish at the rim, who can hit open threes. I, I don't know. I don't know. That seems like a pretty safe bet outside the lottery to me. Like, I don't know what you're I, – I don't, I don't know why he fell either, but I'm happy he did. I think he's, you know, even if he doesn't become – I mean, he fits perfectly with the Spurs need right now because 
let's just say like, yeah, he doesn't have a ton of offensive upside as far as what he can do as a shot creator for himself. If we're putting him anywhere around the arc and DeJounte or Derek or DeMar or Lonnie or Patty or anybody's driving to the rim, like that's exactly what they're going to need. They're going to need a guy that can hit an open shot. And if somebody closes out on him, he can get to the rim and, and finish or get to the bat or get to the free throw line or whatever. So um, with thrilled he fell, I, I was, uh, I'm stunned that he fell that far. I, you know, when he wasn't, when he was still there at 19, I was like, okay, sure. Um, and then what was, that was the weird thing where Shams reported that Cleveland was taking him. And they ended up taking Yeah, Dylan that's Winter right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So. I forgot about that. That happened too, yeah. Yeah, that was, um, that was cool. I mean, it, um, it, having, having multiple first round draft picks is fun. So, so I, I, I actually think that, out of these two guys, I feel like Kelton actually has a chance to get some some minutes next year. And and I go back to that Kawhi year one example, just yep. because you you look at the tape and what do you see? The first thing he's known for is his defense, his tenacity on defense. How he wants to guard the best player, mm-hmm. you know, on the wing. That's what they need, obviously, is, is a wing defender. And of course, what does Pop love? He loves that type, that's t- that type of style on a player. So I really feel like if there's anyone who can who can beat out, um, you know, Forbes. Um, Marco Bellinelli or Lonnie Walker for minutes. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be this guy. It's gonna be Keldon Johnson. Uh, what do y'all think about about him and, and just the fact that he has that upside in terms of his defense already walking in that Coach Pop's gonna love Ben? I think I think his defense is going to get immense. Like you said, he's a guy who gets after it. He's he's up in dudes' grills. If you watch him, if you watch his last season at Kentucky, he was always like you said, he was always guarding the best player. He was always up in them. He made them very uncomfortable over the course of a game. He gets steals because he's so active. He is he is the hard-nosed defender you want on this team. And like Trevor mentioned, he can be a really good 3 and D guy. You get a guy who penetrates, you pitch to him, and he's going to be a reliable shooter from the corner or wherever it is you find him on the three-point line. He's got a pretty thick frame already, too. Like, I don't feel like, like, you know, obviously him and Lonnie are not the same players, but last year – you know, Lonnie was, was a wiry guy. Uh, obviously, DeJounte yeah. was wiry when he came in, but, like, Keldon looks like he's already got some he's got some muscle on him. Like, he could he could deal with, you know, if you put him in for 15, 20 minutes a game. And surprise, probably a little ambitious. But, you know, 12 or 15 minutes a game, he's not going to – he's not just going to get beat up. No one – I don't think anyone's really going to take him to the post except, like, forget LeBron. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, no one, no, no one that he would – you would um, ask him to defend in year one is going gonna, is gonna to take advantage of him. Uh, just by overpowering him or anything like that. And people don't like to talk about this because they don't like to admit that John Calipari is a good coach and he gets his guys ready for the NBA. But the, that Kentucky program gets guys ready for the NBA. They get for sure. They get people in the first round every single year without yeah. fail. There are, and, I mean, PJ Washington could have left last year, maybe been picked in the twenties. He stays a year. He works on his game. He becomes a considerably better three-point shooter. He gets picked 12. I mean, I I yeah. having I actually thought he was going to go a pick later to the Heat for what that's worth. But, I mean, 12 in the lottery, great pick for him, great situation for him, I think. So, um, Kentucky and John Calipari gets dudes drafted. I think the other thing is, you know, sometimes um, guys in Kentucky system can get pigeonholed into, like, like Devin Booker was just a spot-up shooter. Yeah, I Anthony remember Davis. That. Anthony Davis is on the block a lot, uh, and look, you know, um, Davis obviously is a is a more talented prospect than Keldon uh, ever could be. Um, 
Booker though, like I, you know, Booker was a was he a, a late lottery? I think a late lottery pick. Um, you know, maybe we haven't seen all that there is to offer from Keldon Johnson because that's not what he was asked of in Cal's system. You know, I did the same thing with PJ Washington. Um, could PJ Washington be a small forward in the league? He certainly has the the body for it, but he was asked to play power forward at, at Kentucky. Yeah. So we don't know. That's what I had asked Ben on the last episode of, you know, before the draft was when the Spurs, you know, were rumored to, to maybe get PJ Washington. I, I like, you know, his size and everything, his six eight mm-hmm. and everything, but I didn't like his offensive style. And I, and I even asked Ben, I said, is that is that more because Kentucky made him play like that? And that might have been the case, um, like you guys just said. And actually, Cal was on record of saying that he thinks uh, uh, Keldon. There was a video going around where he thinks he's going to be the best, you know, have the best NBA career out of, out of these three guys um, early mm-hmm. on. I don't, that wasn't the, the exact words, but he was saying basically he thinks Keldon's going to be the the best fit right now that has one of the better. Um, you know, you know, uh, uh, seasons uh, in terms of NBA players. Now we can go back to kind of a topic we we're talking about, which is the trade market now, and we're looking now at, at Bryn Forbes, Marco Bellinelli, uh, are two names that are, that are definitely, I think, um, you know, tradable assets right now for the Spurs um, because of getting Kelton. So if they want to give Kelton some minutes, obviously, like I mentioned, there's a bunch of players in front of him. They have a lot of wings and guards. Um, so, so, so I know, I know we kind of had that conversation already, but uh, I guess Ben, do you agree with that? That those guys are have to kind of watch out because, you know, because of drafting Kelton, they could be on the block, especially since like, somebody like Bryn's on an attractive contract. Absolutely. I mean, Bryn Forbes, the way he played last season, he completely outplayed his contract. And there have to be teams who see that and say, oh, if we can get one, if we can get that last year of his contract, squeeze everything out of him that we can. I mean, the, you have to think the Spurs will hold somebody ransom and get something good in return whether it's another player or picks down the road whatever it may be but for sure Bryn Forbes has played better than what was he making four million a year right now yeah something three four million yeah it's it's right I think it was 12 over three or 12 mil over three years or something like that yeah it's he is he has not played like a four million dollar player he's played closer to like an eight to ten million dollar player I would say yeah, and Pop constantly had that comment throughout. Oh, he's dude, he's only making two point eight million to come this coming season. Wow. Oh so yeah, Pop would have that that um that that quote throughout the year where he'd say something like, "I don't want Brennan to tear up his contract" and stuff like that. He was just kind of joking around how how they got so much value out of, out of a player at, the, at that at that market value. Um, so I know that the Spurs, um, you know, this typical Spurs team like we saw last year is that they don't have a traditional small forward. You know, that six eight to, to six nine guy. But they do play a lot of DeMar at the, at the three. They play a lot of Marco at the three. So my question to you, Trevor, is is can Keldon play that in today's NBA, that that that, that three spot, you know, whether it's coming off the bench or even starting? What do you think? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's uh, if DeMar's playing a three, Keldon's yeah. right around DeMar's size. I, I don't see why not. Um, I think Keldon has a, a defensive mentality more than DeMar has, and that's not a shot at DeMar. DeMar, DeMar is what DeMar is, and uh, that's yeah. a very good player. I'm not – I'm certainly not here to, to criticize DeMar's – game aside from you know if he wants to shoot more threes cool but otherwise like you know like hit uh, hit nudge nudge wink wink well sure but i mean i i've you know i we can demar is a whole different conversation but it's just like you know he's not Kawhi leonard and thus he's something else that (laughs) you know like he's just not he's not good enough you know but anyways um but back to keldon yeah i mean he could he i think he could absolutely play small forward um, or whatever we're calling. I, I still call it small forward because that's what the NBA listed. Yeah. Like everyone everyone it, it seems, like ball handler wing big. It's like, all right, well, you know. 
He, he's uh, just a wing, really. Right? Yeah, and especially, you know, um, if it's, uh, let's just say the lineups that are out there are DeJounte, Damar, Keldon, Derek, DeJounte, Keldon. I mean, that's a big line. I mean, those are just pretty much interchangeable dudes. Um, and, uh, you know, who, whoever's taken – you would just assume that Derek and DeJounte would be guarding the best wings on the other team. And then you're asking Keldon to just be the guy that, that guards the third wing, which is great. That's, I mean, I think he'll excel at that. I was going to say, maybe he even plays a little free safety. He gets some, he gets some skills every For game sure. just kind of hanging out and playing basketball. You know, it kind of reminds me of the situation – yeah, it kind of reminds me of the situation that um, that Danny was in, you know, during Kawhi, especially during Kawhi's ascension when Kawhi was actively, because he didn't have the, the big offensive load that he had, he was actively guarding the other team's best, uh, best perimeter uh, player. And so Danny got to excel, and not that Danny couldn't guard the other team's best perimeter player because he could, but he really excelled when, like, all he had to do was chase Clay Thompson around. All he had to do was guard Bradley Beal or, you know, whatever. So I, I think you ask Keldon to do that, and I think he's going to I think he's gonna do really well. I don't know if he does really well in year one, but I think I think he's going to do really well in what the, in the role that Spurs ask him to play. Yeah, I'd say the safe bet is just that he's going to, you know, like, kind of like Luca, just end up in, in Austin because there's so many other guys ahead yeah. of him. But I feel like he definitely, if, if you had to put, you know, you know, a percentage on which player has a, a better chance of getting a cracking pops rotation, I think Keldon's definitely that player. I think we would all agree there just because of, you know, the, the, the need that they need as a wing defender and the plus, um, you know, pop, that's kind of what he likes more so when, when you look at when you look at his coaching stuff. I, I, think, I think also, Paul, just to add to that, I think also when you look at the free agent market, um, you know, you would say that they they need a traditional small forward, but like the guys that are out there, Trevor Ariza, Damari Carroll, um, I guess Wes Matthews, you could just like plug right in at that at that that three. But I feel like those guys, the Arizas and the Damari Carrolls of the world, um, they're playing as much small ball four as they're playing, uh, you know, the traditional uh, small forward spot. So. Um, that's not great for, for Samanich, whereas Keldon can, is a little bit more interchangeable on at the wing positions. Yeah, for sure. And that's why, I, you know, we talked about that uh, earlier. I've had trouble, too, pinpointing what free agent targets they need because I even feel like if you do get, like, a, a classic, like, you know, 3-4 type of wing, like like an Ariza, you're taking minutes away from yep. some of these young guys who, who you want to eventually crack the rotation. So so I really don't know what, where they're going to target. I, I know that obviously the, the one name we've seen is Boyan Bogdanovich, which shows you that they want more scoring in terms of the right. creator's own shot from that position. And outside of him, there's not a lot of those guys in the free agent market. So, um, all right, guys, let's move on to the uh, the last uh, pick that they made. And this is the second round. Uh, this was Quindary Weatherspoon. Uh, he's actually a guard, 6'4 guard from Mississippi State, 22 years old. Uh, his strengths, he's a multifaceted guard with a great feel for the game. He's a reliable shooter who takes good shots. Uh, he makes smart plays off the bounce. He's an active defender with quick hands. Uh, he shot 40% from three last year um, out of 139 attempts. Um, what Ben, what did you think about this pick in the second round for Quindary? I wasn't a big fan uh, initially. I, I didn't think the Spurs needed another guard. That's really what it came down to for me. I thought they could have addressed a position of need, as it were, at big or at a forward position. And uh, But the more I read about Weatherspoon, the more content, I guess, I was with the pick. I mean, he's a kid who's going to play defense. He's, he's, he can get a shot. I do appreciate that. 
but I thought there were some good players available at that pick that might have made more sense. I thought uh, Nas Reed, at I mean, he didn't go, he didn't get drafted at all, so he was definitely available. Someone like him, I thought I I had a little bit of, I'm not gonna lie to you, I had a little bit of a man crush on him this year, even as a Florida guy, hating, not enjoying watching LSU basketball. I liked Nas Reed's game. Um, and I, I don't know, I thought there were some other guys they could have gone after, but I, I don't hate the pick. I'm just, I'm not going to come out here and be, be all, you know, happy-go-lucky about it, I guess. I'm not going to, I'm not going to hype it up. I'm not going to get all excited about it, but I, I have cautious optimism. What did you think, Trevor, about Weatherspoon? Um, you know, the second round, <laughs> I tend to just, uh, especially later in the second round, it's just, I, I was honestly, I was just surprised they didn't, they didn't <laughs> uh, draft and stash, but I think probably uh, it wasn't a great international crop this year. Um, so it's fine, you know, it, everything I've read is his personality and just his feel for the game really fits the Spurs culture. So why not just, you know, why not take a chance on that? He had a really good, um, first he was in the, if, I, if I'm remembering, remembering correctly, he was in that G League workout and then got invited to the Combine as a result of how he played. So obviously he's a guy who, um, you know, really took the, the draft process really serious because he needed to make sure he had to really prove himself to get yeah. to where he was. Um, it's fine, you know, because you never know, man. Like what happens if, <laughs> what happens if Bryn gets traded, Patty yeah. retires, Whatever. I mean, Patty's only 30, by the way. I was looking that up the other day. I was like, yeah. oh, Patty Mills is only 30 years old. Um, but, you know, like, what if, what if something happens? What if what if one of those guys, some crazy injury happens or, a, you know, the next disgruntled superstar becomes available and the Spurs got to unload their cash of guards um, and and they need somebody who, who can at least play spot minutes uh, early in his career. So, what if, you know, he seems like that, that type of guy. Yeah. And, and normally, um, you know, with, with the, like you said, Trevor, I, I really was surprised, too, that they didn't draft the stash. And just because, for me, it was more the roster uh, size or anything that they have. They, basically, with Rudy back, they're, they're going to have 14 players under contract uh, after they sign these two rookies. So you only have one spot left, and, you, and you're probably using that to go get a, a free agent. Um, but now, you know, I, do, you, do you guys feel that the only way this guy gets a guaranteed contract with the Spurs is if he has a really impressive summer league and training cap? What do you all think about that? Uh, ben? I think that's probably fair to say. Just like mm-hmm. you said, the, they don't have the roster space. And uh, I, I would argue that unless he just absolutely balls out, there's no reason to kind of save him a space and uh, get rid of someone else or wave or whatever it is, anyone else, just to make room for him. Uh, but having said that, and having heard what Trevor said, I think it's possible that he does do that. He does impress in summer league. He does impress during training camp, and he certainly could earn his way onto this team. Yeah, uh, and I think that's a good point Trevor made about Patty Mills because, you know, Mills is going to be with the team this year, this coming season, and then also he has a guarantee next season. But who knows if that's kind of the role they want they want Quindary to have. Um, but, Trevor, do you do you anticipate, though, like let's, let's say he doesn't have a great summer league or – Training camp, do you anticipate he'd probably just end up signing a G League contract or possibly a two-way contract? Yeah, like, I, I don't remember exactly what the process is, but, like, they could invite him to camp, and then, like, he's got to hit, like, a certain – he's got to, like, get to the certain level where they can yeah. just – then they can just assign him to Austin, and he signs the, the standard G League. I, I don't remember how the, the mechanics of it, but 
I think that's probably the route he ends up, at least in year one. Yeah, for sure. Unless unless unless, unless something pops at summer summer league and training camp, you know, that's that was Brent Forbes. Not that he was drafted by the Spurs, but it was just like oh, that was Gary Neal. Yep. All of a sudden, these guys just just turned it on. Shouts to Gary Neal, a rationally confident Gary Neal, my man. Gary Neal and Brent Forbes, the two summer league guys, are always with those examples. Um, all right, guys, thanks again for for coming on this episode, Spurscast episode five hundred forty-seven. Uh, Spurscast listeners, if you're on Twitter, follow Ben. His his Twitter handle is at the underscore Boomstein. If you're on Twitter, also follow Trevor. His Twitter handle is at Trevor Wrights. Uh, thank you to Michael DeLeon for mixing and producing this episode. Uh, my name is Paul Garcia. Thank you. Have a great day. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.